spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. GM Ryan, how you doing today? Doing well. How are you, Logan? Uh, you know, personally, I'm rocking with the, the bedhead look right now. Uh, you know, the crypto markets have not gotten me out of bed yet. So until they do, I'm going to have to stick with this look. Uh, but yeah, man, how are you feeling about the markets right now? You know, I'm not really disturbed by it. We've been through it time and time again, up only eventually. So I'm, I'm not scared. That's what I like to hear. I want to know what you guys think out there in the chat. All six of our current viewers, drop a comment right below that like button, which hopefully you'll smash while you're down there. Uh, how are you feeling about the markets? What you got your eyes on? I have the live chat on the screen right now. Uh, we're going to have it for the first half of the show before the interview. So uh, you know, get your comment up there. And, and uh, what are we going to be doing on today's show, Ryan? Oh, we got a ton of stuff planned, Logan. I'm glad you asked. We'll be looking at the crypto markets, doing some technical analysis, hopefully get some trade ideas thrown around. And then we'll be looking at the NFT markets as well as some M NFT drama. And then finally, we have an interview with Michael Gord. This guy, super cool. He's the CEO and co-founder of Tokens.com, GDA Capital, and he's investing heavily in the metaverse. So we're going to be talking metaverse real estate with Michael Gord. Stay tuned for that. That's happening at about 2.30 p.m. Super exciting. I'm really excited to, to like look at NFTs. It's been a while. Uh, we've been too focused on, on those darn BTC and ETH charts, um, but it's going to be a fun day to look at some NFTs. If you're just tuning in, make sure to smash the like button. Let us know you're here and drop a comment with your trade ideas in the chat below. Good day to Adam, Point of Blue, Martin and Mike. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. So let's get into the charts. I'm going to throw Bitcoin on the screen. Here we got the weekly candles. So last night we closed uh, a weekly candle at about $50,000, just above that 50K point. I think that was pretty critical to hold. Uh, since then, we've had a little bit of a sell off. We're at 47.2 right now. Ryan, what do you think this week is going to look like for the markets? Logan, I have no idea. I don't have a crystal ball, so I cannot tell you, but I can tell you a key point to look at is that lower low uh, that we had back, you know, or that higher low actually that we had maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, yeah, back there. I think as long as we can hold above that, we'll still technically be in an uptrend if we can hold a higher low from there. And then hopefully we can just slowly go up, you know, consolidate and get back to that 50 to 60K range by the end of the month. That being said, if we don't hold that, then we're kind of moving sideways and we could even be in a downtrend. So that's a key point I'm looking at right now. I can't really even see the price there, Logan. Is that like $40,000, $41,000? 
that we hit back in maybe the end of September that we should be hopefully holding if we want to remain bullish through the end of the year. This line right here, the bottom of the wick is at 39, uh, 397 and the close was at $43,000. So yeah, I think we could definitely stay, uh, we, we need to stay above this line. Um, and, and if we want to go you know, up again if in any meaningful way, I think we're going to need to hold 53. Um, you know, the on-chain analysts have been have been calling out that number, so I'm just going to roll with that for the time being. Um, Do you yeah, see what I'm, their reasoning was for $53,000 being that key point to watch for? Yeah, I can't give you anything uh, too good, but maybe we can look into it uh, in a little bit here. Uh, in the meantime, ETH has been doing about the same. Here we have the weekly candles. Uh, you know, third red one in a row that is open right now. Um, you know, a little bit of a correction on that ETH BTC pair, but it is staying above that the top of that triangle that we broke out of. So I'm staying optimistic. Um, I think we could see ETH lead the second half of this bull run. What do you think? Yeah, I think we definitely could with all the ETH being locked up in DeFi and NFTs and ETH 2.0. It certainly could lead the rest of the bull run. It held up so well against Bitcoin. I was surprised when Bitcoin crashed down to $40,000. Ethereum was still trading, you know, 39, 3,800. So it held up super well, which hopefully is telling of where it's going in the future. Uh, but since then, you know, we've corrected some. But like you said, Logan, we're above that triangle. Hopefully we find some support there and keep heading up. My price target for ETH in comparison to Bitcoin is at least 0.1 and we're not there yet. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get up to that 0.1 ETH per Bitcoin or no other way around 0.1 Bitcoin per ETH. That'd be mm -hmm. a big mark to hit. And then, you know, up only from there. And then the flipping happens. We're all happy. I think you had it right the first time. 0.1 Bitcoin per ETH would yes. mean that ETH is 10x the, the price of Bitcoin. So 0.1 ETH per Bitcoin uh, is, is what we're looking at here. Uh, but either way, Ryan, I think 0.1 is a great target. I mean, we saw that we hit it back in 2017 and 2018, and we even went a little bit higher. So if we were to get a new all-time high on the ETH BTC pair, I think that would mean the flipping is imminent. Uh, you know, we've been looking at this, you know, reversal, this chart here for, for years now. People have been saying, what happens if ETH BTC breaks out? Is it possible? Now it's happened uh, and everybody's kind of quiet, but we'll keep our eyes on it. Uh, Dante mentioned it as well. He has been keeping an eye on this and he wants to know, Ryan, any idea on when ETH 2.0 will launch? Now, it could be in a few months. It could be in a few years. It's really hard to tell. I'm really hoping that it comes out, you know, between March to July of next year. But like I said, it's really hard to tell. There's no set release date. But from what I've heard, the developers say they're shooting for around quarter two of next year. That would, would certainly, great, right? Yeah, no, that would be amazing if we can see ETH scale uh, by that time. It would really, really be bullish for the space in general. And we've, see, uh, we've seen Vitalik issue some some updates to the ETH 2.0 roadmap. Um, maybe we have time to get into these today, uh, or maybe it's a better topic for Friday, but they are shifting uh, from sharding into a layer two centric ecosystem. So Polygon, Arbitrum, Optimism, uh, and you know the promises of ZK technology are what the Ethereum community is focusing on at this point. So I think uh, Arbitrum is removing its whitelist, opening the floodgates to full volume very soon here. Uh, Polygon should be doing it by next year. 
Um, and we'll Logan, have I have a question. Yes, sir. What do you think happens first, Ethereum 2.0 or the flippening? Huh. That's a good question. Uh, I'm gonna think about it for a second, but drop drop your your thoughts in the chat below. What happens first, ETH2 or the flippening? I think that. Uh, I think we'll probably continue to gain on the ETH BTC pair. Um, I'm not sure if ETH 2.0 is required for the flippening, but I think ETH 2.0 will cause the flippening if it hasn't happened already. Dante thinks 2.0 uh, will need to come first. Um, I agree, Dante. I think ETH 2.0 has to come first. But so like Mike. you said, I think ETH 2.0 could certainly be the catalyst that makes Ethereum flip Bitcoin. Hmm. And Chad's talking about the Pulse chain will be out in a couple of weeks, a fork of ETH. Uh, I believe this is like the, um, what's it called? Uh, Hex. This is like the Hex project. I don't know. Chad, drop some more info for us in the chat. Maybe we can look into it. Uh, but yeah, Mike wants to know, or Martin, excuse me, Ether price should hold where? Where do you think, Ryan? I think we could see it hold kind of close to the prices we're at right now between 38 to $4,200. Uh, like I've said before, I think we're probably going to hold relatively flat through December. You know, Earlier on in November, I was pretty bullish for the rest of the year, calling for maybe a seventy dollars to $80,000 Bitcoin. But now that we've had a significant correction, I think we'll probably be holding. It's going to take us a little while to get back on our feet, um, but hopefully we'll hold around these current prices. I don't see us breaking down too much farther. Um, but like I said earlier in the episode, there's a, that key level to watch. Uh, make sure we're holding a higher low than before for Ethereum. It's a little bit different than Bitcoin, a little bit farther down. Uh, but that weekly close is right around $3,100. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that could be a level of support. If we break down below that, things will not be looking good. I might have to apply to McDonald's if that happens. It's not going to be pretty. You haven't applied yet? I, I have not. I mean, we're still holding at a $4,000 ETH. That's not bad. Maybe we could work at like the same branch of McDonald's. That might be fun. I'd be hyped. We could take it over, start accepting crypto. Can we get Ronald McDonald on the next episode of Moon or Bust? Yeah, I'll queue it up. I'll DM him on Twitter. The McRib NFT launch. Uh, oh, boy. Anyways, uh, let's take a look at some NFTs. So let's start it off. Mutant Apes. You and me, we both have one, Ryan. How are you feeling about our investment at this point? You know, we saw that run up last month, Logan, and it went up so fast from like three and a half ETH all the way up to over seven ETH. And the volume was just insane. So I was feeling really good. And really, we've held it relatively well. I'm still bullish and I'll be holding over at least the midterm. Um, I want to see this ape game come out. I want to see the banana token come out. I want to see Coinbase NFT release their platform. Once all those things happen, then I'll start considering, you know, when is the time to sell? I don't think the time to sell is going to be this month, next month, you know, maybe, maybe in the spring, maybe in the summer, but I definitely want to get at least double digit Ethereum for my mutant ape. I will definitely not be letting it go under 10, uh, but I'm really hoping to get at least 15 for it. And I think with all these catalysts coming up, especially the Coinbase NFT platform and that ape game, those two will be really big, and I, I think the prices could double within that time. Ryan, you mentioned the Ape game. We brought it up one time on the on the show before, uh, but they announced a new partnership with Animoca Brands, who I know you are familiar with. Could you could you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, so Animoca Brands was co-founded by Yatsu, which I actually interviewed for CoinGeckoCon's conference. This guy's absolutely insane. He started a ton of different projects. He was in the iOS App Store super early, and then he transitioned to blockchain gaming. And since then, he's funded Decentraland, Axie Infinity, MetaMask, and probably close to 100 other projects. This guy is absolutely crazy, really deep in the blockchain space. And now they're helping Board Ape Yacht Club make their mobile game. So I'm really excited to see this. They have a huge portfolio and a ton of connections within the space so i mean this is great to see i think board ape yacht club is taking this game super seriously and it should be fun to play and hopefully the incentives are aligned for board ape yacht club holders to be able to make some money playing the game as well very cool uh yeah i know that animoca brands is is very serious about what they do and i honestly i did not expect the partnership with board ape yacht club to come out uh, but, you know, following the partnership with Adidas, Board Ape Yacht Club is taking their stuff seriously. Uh, so I guess I can't say I'm too surprised in retrospect. Um, but here we can see the volume on the Mutant Apes just flipping back to this. Um, like Ryan said, it spiked in the beginning of November. We saw a little bit of an uptick uh, just a couple days ago. Hopefully we can see the volume break out again. Uh, but nothing is really comparing to that first day. Uh, probably a huge sell-off there and, it, and some huge buying Logan, as well. What's up? I have an a inquiry here on these Mutant Apes right before we go to the Board Apes because I know the Board Ape Yacht Club, the four tray apes, I don't know if you've kept up on them, but they're getting super expensive. The cheapest ones are like 280 Ethereum now. I'm wondering if you can wow. filter by the traits on Mutant Ape Yacht Club as well and see if the same trend is happening. Sure thing. Trait count. Let's see how many. Four. Four, uh, trait count four. So, okay, so there are 445 mutants out of the 20,000 uh, with only four traits. And if we sort them by price low to high, we could see the floor on them is around 7.25 ETH right now. I don't so, think they look necessarily as cool as... Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, so that's kind of what I was thinking, Logan. You know, the four trait apes are really clean. Uh, the mutant apes are a little bit more involved. The art is kind of, you know, more involved. So uh, it makes sense that Board Ape Yacht Club's uh, four traits are going up while these are kind of, you know, people don't really care about them as much uh, as far as the trait count goes. Mm -hmm. But besides the uh, the only the one, this is the rarest trait count. So that is something to to keep our eyes on. Um, could be, you know, more valuable or more desired in the future. Um, cool to point that out. <laughs> your pal al says i am uh, an older investor and to be honest i don't understand a thing you're saying that's totally fine we'd like to welcome you to the rabbit hole that is crypto and nfts if you have any specific questions feel free to drop them in the chat and we'll do our best to get to them uh our goal with this show is just to bring crypto nfts all this knowledge to as many people as possible so i appreciate you uh for coming in and tuning uh, joining us today um, and hopefully we can answer some of your questions as we go. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you smash the like button. We got 126 viewers right now. Uh, so let's see if we can get one like. Can we get one like on today's stream? Everybody go give one like. All right. Back to the apes. You want to look at the board apes now, Ryan? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we saw a floor sweep just last week, uh, taking the floor from 50 to 53 within a couple minutes, okay? The, the activity was crazy. I think that you could see it right there. Uh, and let's see, if this is the last 90 days, if we go to all time, just crazy, crazy numbers. And this breakout is looking pretty bullish. I'm not really feeling this, this big correction here because it went lower than this. 
Um, but you know, the NFT market is still in its early, early infancy. So the charts are, uh, you know, not as liquid as the charts we're used to looking at. It's kind of hard to make the same takeaways. Uh, would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, and I don't think many people are really looking at the charts when it comes to NFTs either. It's much more about the collection, the different traits, and you know, there's so many other factors that go into it. Logan, did you see that one guy who minted a board API club uh, at mint I for zero point oh zero ETH or zero point zero eight ETH? So yeah. like two hundred fifty dollars, right? He sold it this week. He sold his ape. It was a rare one. It had laser laser eyes and mm-hmm. a couple other pretty cool traits. He got one point four million dollars for it absolutely nuts uh that dude is certainly gonna make it what do you think about his decision to sell at this point um you know i mean obviously he started with a very small budget so taking profits is very respectable um and maybe if that was you know 99.99 percent of his portfolio it totally makes sense uh there's i don't i don't really know if we can make any takeaways from that what do you think Yeah, not really. I mean, props to him for holding so long, right? It was a $250 investment and he netted $1.4 million on it. That's absolutely insane. So props to him for holding this long, but I don't blame him for selling whatsoever. That's a life-changing amount of money, $1.4 million. Uh, And he could easily get into another ape around the floor for maybe $250,000 to $300,000 and still be exposed to Board Ape Yacht Club, maybe hold that one forever since he's made so much money now and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly a pretty good strategy. Um, I think it was this one right here. Yep, yeah. One. Last sale, 347 ETH. That is absurd. If we take a look at the events here, uh, we see, oh boy, please scroll. Uh, minted to John Knopf seven months ago uh, and sold to the vault one day ago, 347 ETH. God damn. That's crazy. A lot of Ethereum, especially when Ethereum hits $100,000. That's a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of great questions. Uh, Martin wants to know about better to buy the mana token or land in the metaverse. We're going to get into that really soon here. Uh, but we got an important primer question from Al. Okay. So uh, he does not mean to be rude and we're not going to take it, take it personally. But why would anyone want to buy an NFT? What can you do with it? That is a great question, right? So if we take a look at the Board Ape Yacht Club, the project we're looking at right now, uh, it's not just an NFT. It's not just a JPEG. Number one, it's a blockchain token that has provable ownership and proves the authenticity of the piece of art, but it's also membership to the club itself. So, you know, yacht clubs, um, you know, these high-end clubs like Soho House are nothing new. People are used to paying thousands and thousands of dollars in annual fees for membership to these exclusive clubs because they provide elite networking possibilities. And the Board Ape Yacht Club is no exception, right? So the Board Ape Yacht Club Uh, has a ton of money from the projects that they released, and they're using that money very effectively. They threw a party uh, a couple months ago at NFT NYC that featured free shows from Lil Baby and The Strokes, completely open bar, and everyone there, uh, you know, was an early crypto innovator or was a VC investor. This is where a lot of the space in the industry is taking shape at the Board Ape Yacht Club events. And since that happened, we've seen a whole bunch of new celebrities ape in. I mean, we've got Jimmy Fallon, Post Malone, Von Miller, Lil Baby, Chainsmokers, Steph Curry, Adam Draper, Steve Aoki, uh, Mark Cuban, Timbaland, Shaq, 
Marshmallow, Logan Paul, Rich the Kid, Future. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We don't even have enough time to, to keep this list up to date on a day-to-day basis because it's growing so fast. So Ryan, uh, you know, NFTs, uh, are just a picture, but a lot of them come with outside utility. Um, so utility is what I think gives NFTs value. There's tons of different ways that projects can deliver value, um, but you know, you know, access to the club is one of them. Um, so yeah, I hope that clears up your question a little bit. Al Ryan, do you have any other examples of NFT use cases or value propositions that you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, we're really at the tip of the iceberg, so it's hard to tell where NFTs will be at over the long term. But something else to know, I get why people get confused with NFTs, because a non-fungible token by itself doesn't have any value. And a lot of these NFTs will be valueless eventually because these clubs won't grow. Uh, But NFTs can be used for things like intellectual property rights or music streaming, as well as thousands of different things, metaverse land. Uh, So there's definitely different ways to make NFTs valuable. It's really just a way to to... authenticate something on the blockchain that isn't fungible, right? So like Bitcoin and Ethereum, each token's exactly the same, so they're fungible. So non-fungible tokens, just a way to verify something that is original on the blockchain. So I mean, that has limitless potential, and it's going to be really interesting to see where this all ends up over the next decade. Most certainly, Ryan. Uh, And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to drop them in the chat, but we are running out of time. So let's get on to the Sandbox versus Decentraland debate. So uh, I can drop this uh, link in the chat with the Celebrity NFTs if you want to take a look at it yourself. Um, but let's just flip over to the Sandbox. Okay, so there are two big metaverse tokens that everyone is paying attention to right now, the Sandbox and Decentraland. Ryan, I'm going to pull up my notes on the comparison between the two, but could you give us a quick overview uh, of why someone might be interested in buying virtual land to begin with and, and also maybe shout out the interview that's coming up? Yeah, so guys, stay tuned. In 10 minutes, we have Michael Gord coming on. He recently acquired a 50% stake in Metaverse Properties. It's a digital real estate investment firm that's doing a ton of cool things in the Metaverse. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, But these two different decentralized protocols here that are making Metaverses are the Sandbox and Decentraland. Both very interesting projects, and they're both pretty similar. Uh, I'd say the Sandbox has more of a roadmap, and Decentraland's kind of self-governed. Uh, just letting the community do what they want with it. But people can buy land and then monetize it in a bunch of different ways in either of these virtual worlds. So Decentraland, its uh, its virtual reality world has been around a little bit longer than the Sandbox. The Sandbox actually just recently came out with the actual game. Uh, but people in Decentraland have made museums with NFTs. They've made in-game uh, like different types of games in the world where uh, people can gamble. There's casinos, uh, there's retail shops. So there's a bunch of different things people can do. And even companies like Adidas and Atari have bought land in these metaverses. So it's definitely interesting to see how this will all play out. You know, if more institutions will be buying land in these virtual worlds. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's really exciting. Logan, do you have any any notes on the differences between the Sandbox and Decentraland that you think are pretty notable? I do, for sure. Uh, And one thing I want to point out before we really start getting into the nitty gritty is that uh, casinos have hired real people to, you know, moderate their their 
virtual casinos, right? Uh, and so there are new jobs that are being created in the metaverse. And some are so bullish as to say that, you know, 20 years down the road, there may be more jobs in the metaverse than in the real world. So, um, you know, obviously take that with a grain of salt. We're super, super early. Um, but Decentraland and Sandbox are the two big names right now. So quick breakdown. Decentraland has 90,000 parcels of land. Uh, and, and the sandbox has 166,000. So your floor price per, per parcel is actually higher for the sandbox at this point in time. Um, and maybe we'll see why that is. So both of these projects have tokens. Um, in Decentraland, we have the mana token, okay? Uh, and there was a question earlier. Uh, is it better to buy mana token or metaverse land the nft itself so if you have the budget if you got the 3.6 eth laying around uh you might be better off um buying an actual piece of land that you could try to flip in the future but that's certainly more high risk um if you don't want to invest you like forty thousand like twenty thousand dollars um then you probably should just get a little bit of the token to speculate. Uh, but also these these both of these projects have seen insane speculation and price runs after Facebook changed their name to Meta. So there is a lot of risk baked into that current price. Fair warning. Um, Al, wait for the interview. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah. uh, They're renting out land. They're developing it. They're maintaining it. It's absolutely insane to see what this big money is doing in the metaverse already. And after we saw Facebook rebrand the meta, right, everybody's looking at the metaverse. So it's going to be super interesting to see all these big companies come into the metaverse and enjoy some digital ownership. <laughs> all right. So Tokens in Decentraland, there's MANA, the native currency, uh, WARE, which are like a category of NFTs for wearables and articles, and then there's LAND, uh, which are the virtual plots of land. Uh, and then in the sandbox, on the other hand, we have uh, four tokens, SAND, the native currency. Uh, we have assets, which are like the, uh, you know, the clothes or whatever, games, uh, and then also LAND, which are the actual land elements themselves. Uh, so I haven't seen too much um, about those like wearables, assets, and, and games yet. Right now, the native currencies and the NFTs that represent the land, I think, uh, are, are the big things that people are looking at. Um, but as far as roadmap goes, the, the Sandbox has a, a, um, the goal of bringing their game to mobile devices by the end of 2022, also launching on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, and they want to have 5,000 games on the platform available. Uh, so kind of like a Roblox type beat. You have this open platform. You can develop mini games within it. Um, whereas on the, uh, on the other hand, Decentraland, they don't really have a, a roadmap per se, um, but they have been making big partnerships. They're looking to bring creators, brands, celebs into the space. Um, and, and what's Exciting as well as the Decentraland is interoperable with at least four other metaverse worlds. Uh, I don't ask me for more details on that because I can't tell you off the top of my head. Logan, um, do you yeah. remember that cigar we saw for sale in Decentraland? That was like 50 grand. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of a cool example of an NFT that was built in the central land. I was so confused. Why would anybody pay 50K for a cigar to put in your mouth at this casino? Uh, but I read into it and you actually get like a higher bonus payout in the casino. So if you're a big gambler, it might actually make sense because you got like a 10% bonus on all of your payouts. So it could be seen as an investment if you're a big time gambler. Um, I'm sure that's just one of many examples of different types of utility for these NFTs in Decentraland. I mean, at $50,000, that is pretty expensive. So you would have to be gambling a lot of money to make that worth it. Uh, but maybe you just have a lot of money and you want to look cool in the metaverse with a really expensive cigar. Who knows? I mean, that sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know if I'd pay that kind of money right now, though. Uh, yes, Okay, so as far as partnerships go, this is going to be one of the key ones to keep our eyes on when comparing the two platforms. So the Sandbox has partnered with over 165 brands so far, including Adidas, Operas, Binance, Snoop Dogg, AMC, uh, Atari, as Ryan mentioned before, CryptoKitties. They're also supported by SoftBank, uh, one of the biggest investment companies in the world, which did uh, help them raise a $93 million funding round. Uh, on the other hand, Decentraland is backed by more than 20 investors, uh, including Animoca Brands. Uh, they have partnerships with Samsung, Polygon, Atari, and even the South Korean government. Wonder what's going on there. Um, you know, as far as partnerships go, I'm definitely going to have to give the the lead to Sandbox. And I think overall, I would give the lead to Sandbox. Ryan, what do you think? I would kind of relate this to like uh, Board Ape Yacht Club versus CryptoPunks because Decentraland was the first and their world was out uh, and it's more community run than the Sandbox is. But like how Board Ape Yacht Clubs is similar to the Sandbox, there's many more partnerships and the community is driving it to a degree, but they definitely have more institutional brands uh, along for the ride. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think that is a critical factor in growth, having these big partnerships with the Sandbox. Um, so I think I would say I do like the Sandbox a little bit more at this point, but I haven't played the game yet. So I want to play the game. I want to see how the metaverse looks, what I can do in it. I think it's really cool, the flexibility that you do have in Decentraland and not might win out over the long term you know being able to create absolutely anything you want on the land you own i think that's a really cool concept most certainly it is and we got a comment in the chat uh from michael asking do people need gaming computers to experience the metaverse um okay so i tried this on my 2017 macbook pro uh i tried decentraland sorry to be specific i tried decentraland on my 2017 macbook pro it was pretty laggy uh but on my 2021 macbook pro with the m1 pro chip it runs like butter so uh as far as like a, a full gaming tower with like a dedicated graphics card uh you know more or less at this point um this is a, a web-based game so we'll see what happens i have not uh, dove into the sandbox yet so i can't comment on that but i think it will become more accessible with time and eventually uh i mean we see the sandbox is aiming for mobile so um if they're trying to deliver a good user experience it's got to be able to run on on mobile devices uh okay so we will defer the rest of this conversation to the expert we have michael gord with us uh, backstage so let's just get it started michael i'd like to welcome you to moon or bust how are you doing today I am doing very well, thanks. How are you doing? 
Doing great. Really happy you could join us today. Really excited to glean your experience and expertise on the metaverse sector in general. We've just been talking with our audience uh, about the sandbox versus Decentraland um, and, and even teaching some of the newer viewers out there about NFTs and their value to begin with. Um, but we also have some more experienced viewers, so we're going to get into all of it. Uh, I'm super excited. So before we talk about the metaverse group, can you tell us about tokens.com? Uh, and why you decided to acquire a stake in the Metaverse Group? Uh, yeah, so Tokens.com is a public company that is focused on uh, using its balance sheets to generate staking yields through digital assets. Um, so it is a way for uh, public market investors to get exposure to the digital asset class in a medium that. Uh, they are already participating in the, the public markets, um, but in an area of, uh, of the capital market, specifically staking of digital assets that is uh, quote unquote complicated for, um, for an audience that doesn't want to custody or control their own digital assets. Uh, and the reason why we thought it would be a good fit uh, to acquire Metaverse Group is because uh, firstly, I've known Andrew, the, the, the founder, for, for quite a while. And um, Metaverse Group is essentially a, is a similar business model, except instead of staking of, of digital assets, it's earning yields through NFTs, which is an extension of the tokens business model. Um, and I, I was pretty excited about the opportunity of creating the first public Metaverse, first public solely uh, from the beginning, blockchain public metaverse company, um, very different from what uh, Facebook is doing with the private metaverse, for example. Awesome. So could you tell me a little bit about your history in, in the crypto blockchain NFT metaverse space uh, and, and how you found yourself where you are today? Um, yeah, so... Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. I've been focused on digital assets for just about the past 10 years. Um, I now have an ecosystem of companies that are focused across the blockchain capital market. So everything from introducing new digital assets on blockchain exchanges to traditional public market exchanges, uh, trading, lending, fixed income, asset management. Uh, and the NFT and metaverse capital market are emerging trends that I thought too exciting to ignore. Um, and specifically the metaverse, I, I really think is the next multi-trillion dollar market. So um, I, I thought it would be worthwhile for us to um, participate in a larger capacity than just by uh, deploying capital. Awesome. So what services uh, do you currently offer to your clients? Um, yeah, I guess just take it from there. Yeah. So um Metaverse Group right now is a vertically integrated uh, real estate company focused on the metaverse economy. So we buy land, we build experiences on the land, uh, generate cash flows through renting out those experiences, uh, generate cash flows through either the experiences themselves or through renting out the land for other individuals to um to create experiences. So every, similar to Brookfield in the traditional world, we uh, buy land and uh, monetize the land either through experiences or renting. Experience being either um, NFTR galleries, 
um, office space, um, fashion shows, concerts, conferences. Uh, I believe there's going to be dozens of new business models that are created through the metaverse. Um, so yeah, right now we're vertically integrated, but uh, the intention is to be vertically and horizontally integrated. So um, I think we're pretty uniquely positioned as um, you know holders of, of quite a bit of land to be able to build businesses on those land, you know, on those pieces of land that are native to the metaverse. That's really cool. And in your opinion, what are the best ways to monetize land in a platform like Decentraland or, or the Sandbox or any other metaverse that you guys have invested in? Uh, so similar to the real world, I think it really depends on on your model, on your ecosystem, on, on your audience. So office, you know, commercial office space in the real world, good business. It will be in the metaverse as well. Uh, gaming and gambling, of course, good business in the real world um, will be good business in the metaverse. Uh, fashion still is, is high demand for um, for stores that, that sell fashion, you know, wear clothes in the mm-hmm. in the real world. Uh, NFT wearables, I think, is going to be big business, and we're uh, we're betting pretty big on that. Uh, education, so um, the future of e-learning is in the metaverse. The future of mm-hmm. academics is in the metaverse. Um, art, art galleries. Uh, really anything that you can think of in the traditional world, uh, con- you know, concerts, conferences, um, everything that you can monetize land with in the physical world, you'll be able to monetize land with in the digital world, except for food. I'm not sure exactly. Um, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, McDonald's might as well, for example, have uh, McDonald's in the metaverse, where if you show up to McDonald's and you answer some questions, then... Um, then you are, you know, you got an NFT that might, you know, provide you with some free fries in the real world or something like that. Maybe even get the food delivered. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Michael, I, right. You could also get the food delivered through the metaverse. That would, that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, so Michael, why do you see a need for office space, like commercial office space in the metaverse? Why couldn't you just use zoom? What kind of benefits does real like metaversal office space provide? Um, so you could use zoom, but the future of, of meetings and the future of the office is in the metaverse. Um, so, uh, inevitably offices will, will move into the metaverse and Bill Gates actually predicts that most business meetings will be held in the metaverse. Um, Mm. but in addition to business meetings, um, if you have a bank, for example, then you could do KYC and you can actually set up bank accounts in the metaverse, if you have a accounting company, you could, um, you know, get accounting clients. If you have a law firm, you could get law clients. If you have a hedge fund, you could uh, raise capital through the metaverse. So really, any physical business that has office space is just opening up a new a new audience um, to to metaverse users. Makes sense. And what kind of industries do you see entering the space of the metaverse right now? Um, I think the first one. So to really explode was um, was music. So Decentraland did a a metaverse festival in uh, a couple months ago that had participation from from Dead Mouse and stuff and Paris Hilton. Uh, uh, that that got a lot of a lot of traction. I think the next one in Q one is going to be fashion. Uh, so fashion brands, uh, education, universities are starting to get exposure and, and e learning companies. Uh, gambling companies, there's a few casinos, 
uh, play to earn companies. Um, and, uh, yeah. Michael, we've also seen some countries set up embassies within the metaverse. Does this make sense to you? Where do you see this going? Uh, yeah, of course. I think, uh, why not have a, like even, even during COVID actually, I uh, lost my passport in Turkey and to get to the Canadian embassy was not possible because of, uh, because of, because of COVID. Um, uh, so in the metaverse, I would be able to show up to the Canadian embassy and, um, and I'd be able to get a new passport perhaps in the embassy. Yeah, that would definitely save a lot of time, uh, especially during COVID times where you physically and literally cannot even get there. Um, so Michael, we had the Decentraland versus Sandbox debate earlier. Um, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, which one are, are you more optimistic on uh, or both? And then also from your client's perspective, which one uh, are they asking about requesting at this point? Uh, sorry, what was that question? Uh, yeah, so we had the, the Decentraland versus Sandbox debate um, a little bit ago on this episode. I'm curious to hear from your perspective. Uh, do you take a side? What are the differences? And then also from your client's perspective, uh, which one are they asking about? Um, so I think that Decentraland is super far ahead. Uh, Sandbox only released their alpha a week ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on Sandbox as well, but they have just quite a lot of, of building to do. Um, Somnium Space is good, um, but uh, Somnium Space is in virtual reality. Like you need to have a headset, so that's not mainstream adoption. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think Decentraland is the most, is the most bullish right now and is getting the, the most adoption. Very interesting. And are your clients requesting uh, more help with Decentraland or Sandbox? Um, my clients are uh, really, I mean, they're, they're asking us for, for our feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, the Decentraland is just the most marketable for big business at the moment. Interesting. But we saw Adidas uh, and Snoop Dogg go into the Sandbox. Do you think that that was uh, basically just the business end of it? Um, or was there a reason that they chose to to build in the sandbox? Uh, so, so Decentraland, I think, is building the biggest social network of the future. I think Sandbox is building the biggest game engine of the future. So if you're looking to build a play-to-earn game, then Sandbox might be a better fit. If you're looking to create a office space, for example, then Decentraland might be a better fit. It's, it's really um, you know, depending on, on your thesis. Fascinating. That's actually really interesting. I've never heard that perspective before. Um, Okay, so is it possible to uh, you know build an office space or you know event in Decentraland and port it over to the sandbox? Um, do you see this interoperability happening in the future, or is that kind of um, making it too easy to leave one platform? Yeah, so we're just at the cutting edge of that. Um, I think metaverses will be interoperable, same as websites, uh, like are interoperable through hyperlinks. So someone will be able to hyperlink from a metaverse experience in Decentraland to a metaverse experience in Sandbox. Um, but there are only a few people that have builds in Decentraland and only a few people that have builds in Sandbox. And uh, there's not a huge amount of overlap yet of people that have builds in both mm -hmm. 
and there's also not that many events that are happening in either yet. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, we're still at the cutting edge of like interoperability of metaverses. Mm -hmm. And Michael Logan and I have debated this before, but how important do you think location is in the metaverse? Because can't you just teleport around? You don't really have as many costs with travel as you do in the real world. Yeah, same as the same as the physical world. I mean, you could also just cab around the the real world, but if you have real estate that's beside the Empire State Building or a high traffic area, then um, reasonably likely that your area beside the um, beside the metaverse or beside the Empire State Building will be high value as well. Uh, or if you you know in this case of Snoop Dogg, if you have land beside Snoop Dogg, then you could set up a cannabis shop or you could set up a music, a rap store or something. Uh, and it's reasonably likely that you'll get participation as a result of, of Snoop Dogg's participation or Snoop Dogg's traffic. Um, and uh, I think that even though you can teleport around the metaverse, I think people will oftentimes uh, just go around, you know, wander, looking for cool things to, to, to see and explore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also... Uh, if you, for example, if your land is beside the road, then that's, uh, you know, you, uh, people will see it more. So um, it's more likely to be higher value. I think if it's beside the road or if it's beside a district, then people will be teleporting to the district. So they'll see your, your land either in the district or uh, adjacent to the district. And if your land is not beside a road, then it's possible to be fully surrounded by by someone else that in theory could put brick walls surrounding your parcel um, with a sign saying, sell me your parcel um, or we're going to keep brick walls up. So nobody can enter your land unless they teleport. So similar to the real world uh, location is, uh, is, is quite important. Yeah, Michael, I have to agree with you that location is uh, very important in the metaverse as well. But the, the fundamental lack of physics, the ability to, to teleport um, is, is obviously different than in the real world. What type of other um, you know, paradigm shifts do you see uh, that will maybe play out in the metaverse, have the potential to play out in the metaverse compared to things that we could never see in the real world? Like um, teleportation is one of them, but impossible fashion is another one. I'm curious if you could list any more. Yeah, in possible fashion, we can have music festivals on the moon, we can have music festivals underwater, we can have music festivals on Mars, we can have uh, conferences in the jungle, we can have, um, you know, office space that isn't possible. Michael, I think you muted yourself. Hey, Michael, we're not able to hear you right now. No, I'm still not getting anything. Um... Hey, there we go. I think it's working now. Oh, I could hear him for a second there. Uh, then he popped out. Uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging with us, guys. And I'm I'm sure. Okay. Hey yo, how's it going? <laughs> 
Hey, sorry, cut out. Nope, sounds great. Um, so you left off with, uh, you know, having meetings and, and music events in places that aren't possible. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you could have uh, meetings on elephants. You could have meetings on a flying saucer. You could have flying mm -hmm. boats. You could have flying cars. You could have mm -hmm. a stage on the moon. You could have a stage in space, a stage underwater. You could uh, walk on water. You can, um, mm -hmm. you know, you could have a car that goes on water. Really anything you think you can create. Um, the question is, what can you think? Mm -hmm. So obviously you've thought about this question a lot. Are there any specific, um, you know, investment strategies or theses that you've came up with uh, to, um, you know, get ahead of this paradigm shift? Um, I mean, I think that we're at uh, 500,000 users of Decentraland. I think that, and it's up from 15,000 users at the beginning of the year. That's at times mm -hmm. uh, 30... 30x in one year. Mm -hmm. uh, if we do a times 30x from 500,000, then that becomes 15 million. And then another 30x becomes the size of Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. And as I think uh, is, is commonly known, networks double. So networks mm -hmm. don't grow at the same rates. Networks grow at an accelerating rate. Mm -hmm. um, but if we just assume that the network is going to grow at the same rate, 30x per year, uh, then in two years, Decentraland becomes the size of Facebook by the number of users. So um, I think generally my thesis is just that uh, right now we're at 0.0001% adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, that adoption is going to go from 0.0001 to 100% of the world will be in the metaverse, 99.5% uh, of the world will be in the metaverse, same as how everyone uses the internet. Mm -hmm. Actually, anyone that uses the internet will use the metaverse. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is how often, how valuable will their um, you know, how, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, my thesis is just that this is going to explode by thousands of percents, I think, or thousands of times in the next few years, as it goes from 500,000 users to hundred percent of the world using the metaverse. Um, so, you know, we just look to, to, uh, immerse ourselves into the, into the technology, into the, into the community. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we just want to, you know, accelerate adoption. Accelerate so no adoption. play, no play is a bad play, um, but potentially centralized plays could be, uh, you know, one of the one of the worst picks. So could you talk about closed and uh, private metaverses like Facebooks um, and, and how you compare them in value to open source uh, Ethereum or public blockchain based metaverses? Yeah. So Facebook, uh, or let's let's go back in time. Uh, the private internet was popular in the beginning of the internet revolution. All these information companies were trying to build private intranet. Mm -hmm. uh, and the intranet is still a multi-billion dollar business, but it hasn't accrued multi-trillion dollars like the public internet has. Because the entire world is more creative and more innovative than a single company can ever be. It doesn't matter how big or how innovative that company might be. Uh, now, if we explore, consider the blockchain universe, uh, private blockchains in 2012, 2013, 2014, super hyped, raised hundreds of millions of dollars, delivered very little in terms of real world value. Uh, private blockchains will be a billion dollar business. They already are a billion dollar business, but they have in no way accrued multi-trillion dollars of value per year like the public blockchain has and I expect continue to.
So similar to the metaverse, uh, the private metaverse will be a, I expect, billion dollar business, but it is not going to accrue multi-trillion dollars of value like the public metaverse is, uh, I, I think, already starting to occur. Mm -hmm. And Michael, I'm interested to know what kind of competitive advantage some of these other metaverses you work with have. So if you could speak on maybe Upland and Somnium Space or whatever other uh, metaverses you work with outside of Decentraland and the Sandbox and speak on maybe why you chose to work with these. Um, so really, our, 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 the, most of our um, portfolios in Decentraland, Sandbox and, and Somnium at the moment, um, we... Uh, our, our thesis is that um, buying metaverse lands, buying metaverse real estate is the same as buying pixels of a website's homepage in 1990 or 1995 before, um, you know, websites were popularized. The difference is that uh, websites weren't able to sell pixels of their, of their real estate. They had to sell advertising space, um, which, was, which was not fixed. Hmm. Um, so, so our thesis is that, um, we want to be, uh, in addition to betting on metaverses that we can already monetize like Decentraland and Sandbox primarily, um, we still want to be, uh, you know, have, have smaller bets in a, in a tail end side of the ecosystem, uh, like Uplands. That makes sense. I have one last question for you, Michael. I would love some metaverse property swag in my life. Is there any way we could get merch to rep? Uh, I was in real estate. Now I'm looking at the metaverse. Uh, this is right up my alley. Rock on. Definitely. <laughs> we don't have any swag yet, but I'm uh, I'm happy to, to send some. And uh, that's a good point. We should probably make some. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I appreciate it. Michael, what's exciting you the most about this space right now? Is there any one specific niche uh, that you've been obsessed with lately? Uh, fashion, I would say, is um, is, is what is is uh, at the tipping point of um, of, uh, of bringing a bunch of multinational iconic brands into the metaverse. Um, and I think once we have a bunch of musicians playing music festivals on a weekly and then daily basis. And we have a bunch of um, iconic fashion brands that are participating then, um, you know, that we've really reached the tipping point and, uh, and the world is going to be adopting this stuff. Hmm. Very interesting. So you see Adidas coming in now. Um, are there any other, you know, murmurs about who could be coming next? Uh, I have no comment on that. <laughs> uh, but I would like to see Facebook participating in the public metaverse. That would be fun. Do you think that's going to happen? I think inevitably Facebook is going to realize that they need to participate in the public metaverse. They can also build their own metaverse. That's fine. Um, but, you know, how long can you? The Facebook's smart. Mm -hmm. I think they'll, I mean, I think they'll get it soon enough. Yeah, we see them building on Ethereum already uh, with their crypto wallet or their spinoff that's not actually theirs. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like they are embracing the the public blockchain sector. And Wed, do you think like do you have a timeline, anything in mind at what point Facebook is kind of forced into joining the the public blockchain space or bridging to it? Uh, I think that Facebook needs more scalability. Like Facebook can't release a product on Ethereum today. It would. Hmm not useful by their by their users especially mm -hmm. if they're million 
people in and Facebook's not bringing a million people in the ring, a hundred million people in. Do you see uh, mainnet or layer two on Ethereum as the main home of metaverses or other blockchains, uh, any in particular? Uh, million dollar question there. That's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, the only metaverses that are usable is, is the ones on Ethereum. Um, but it is uh, definitely a big opportunity for metaverses to be launched on arbitrary blockchain protocols. I think actually Tron has, uh, Tron has some, Solana has some. Um, I think that's it. I heard hmm. Cardano doesn't have any metaverses on it just yet. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, has, has some bigger issues in terms of scalability than, than metaverses at the moment. Indeed, it looks like that. All right, Michael, I really appreciate your time today and your insights. I thought this conversation was fascinating. I'm all out of questions. Ryan, do you have any um, any last questions? No, I think we covered it. All right, Michael, before you head out, I just want to give you one last opportunity. Uh, if you want to make any shout outs, tell the people where to connect with you. Uh, anything you want, the floor is yours. Uh, thanks. Um, can you connect on me on Twitter, at Bitgourd. Uh, you can find out more about the Metaverse Group at metaversegroup.io. And I should add that if you are watching, then um, I, uh, you know, pride you for the good fortune of of uh, being in the cutting edge of, of the Metaverse world. And I encourage you to uh, not forget about it and, you know, mm-hmm. do research and uh, consider how you can contribute. It, uh, I would say the uh, opportunity, I think actually even bigger than crypto, bigger than the internet, um, bigger than cars, bigger than, uh, mm-hmm. so, bigger than TVs. Couldn't agree more. Michael, thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. Cheers. Um, All righty, Ryan, I really enjoyed that interview. What did you think about it? Yeah, it was cool stuff. Like I said, man, I was really interested in real estate going into college. I did some commercial real estate uh, and now I'm in blockchain and metaverse stuff. So this was really cool to see the intersection between real estate, the metaverse, cryptocurrency and all that. And I think Michael had some really cool insights. So I'm glad we had him on. Yeah, the one thing that I found the most interesting was his uh, distinction between Decentraland and the Sandbox. So we see a higher uh, a higher average price per land in the Sandbox right now, and we see the bigger brands going into the Sandbox right now. Uh, but Michael, who is the the one of the top three, maybe number one expert in the world on this, thinks that Decentraland is the way to go, and it's going to be the home of socialization, um, whereas the Sandbox will be more for you know, brands and events. I think that's what he said, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I I had never thought of that distinction before, but I think it's important to keep in mind and it's uh, maybe going to guide my metaverse investment thesis in the future. Um, But let us know what you guys thought about the interview. Smash the like button. If you uh, think the metaverse is interesting, if you own any metaverse tokens, drop them in the chat. yeah, maybe we have time for a little bit of Moon or Bust. Let's see what time is it. We have 90 seconds left on today's episode. Um, and, and yeah, what did you think about his prediction at the end? Let's just, let's just you know, do a little bit more wrap up. At the end, he said this will be bigger than the internet, bigger than cars, bigger than crypto. Uh, could it be bigger than the universe? Uh, probably not.
But I mean, hey, I think it could be bigger than .com. I think it could even be bigger than cars. I mean, I don't know if it could be bigger than the internet because like we've said before, we're kind of already in an early stage of the metaverse, right? So like, I don't know, the internet's kind of part of the metaverse. It's integrated. Like you need the internet to have the metaverse. Uh, so I don't know if I would go that far. Uh, and I'm not sure if I would go as far as to say it will be bigger than blockchain, but I definitely think it will be huge. I think it could be just as big as blockchain. I think it could be bigger than .com, and I think it could be bigger than basically almost any other industry we've ever seen throughout the history of the world, really. Okay, so I have one last thought that I want to leave the audience with, okay? So imagine 50, 100 years in the future uh, when we have uh, you know, neural implants that can connect and deliver, um, you know, electrochemicals to our brain. So these metaverse experiences are indistinguishable from our real world experiences. At that point, what's to say that our real world experiences aren't just a metaverse already? Good luck sleeping tonight, guys. Simulation is real.